the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, as we head into the 4th of July weekend, we're going to talk about patriotism. And then we're excited to be joined by Dr. Peace Amadi, the author of a new book called Why Do I Feel Like This? Understand Your Difficult Emotions and Find Grace to Move Through. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Friday. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside a woo-hooing Aubrey Sampson. It's a Friday. My name is Brian Fromm. Aubrey, not only is it a Friday, it is 4th of July weekend Friday. Like, no, it doesn't it's feel amazing. like we should be at work. It feels like I should have my first hot dog in my hand with a watermelon. And uh, <laughs> you should already be in your Captain America shirt right now. Flag That's right. Out. Uh, That's I right. love the 4th of like it's it's a great time to celebrate it's a great time to it celebrate feels like summer too doesn't it like That's it just feels it. like it is now summer and if you're not watching baseball today you're a bad american right like it feels like a hot dog a uh a baseball game maybe some apple pie mm. and uh and you're good to go but Aubrey, something we do talk about you and i we've made it very clear you're gonna wear your captain america shirt yep. on sunday uh, are you going to wear it to preach on Sunday, by the way? Oh, this is an excellent question. Oh, no, I don't think I can do that. I think this we've talked about this before. Uh, that leans maybe a little bit too much towards nationalism, bringing mm-hmm. in America symbols to the pulpit. So I'll throw it on after or I'll wear it all day Saturday. You and I are in agreement on this, but help people understand that line you just made. Because mm-hmm. some people may really disagree with it or not have any thought about bringing American symbols or Americana into the pulpit, right? Maybe they're at a church with an American flag behind them, or they're going to sing God bless America this weekend or whatever else it might be. Help people understand what you meant by that. Yes. I mean, again, Brian and I just said, we love the 4th of July. We love our country. We are patriots. Uh, There is a difference between patriotism and nationalism. And nationalism is when you begin to worship your country um, as if it is God, or you so commingle your worship of God with your worship of country that it's hard to differentiate the two. And for me and for you, Brian, I know as well, we understand that our allegiance is to Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Right. And we understand that this is a global Christianity. So if you're going to have an American flag, then you got to have flags from every nation in That's the right. world. Because, right. um, again, we love our country. We love our country enough to look at our country and critique our country and talk about the sins in the history of our country. But I am not going to conflate or confuse for my people love of country with love of Jesus, love of the Father God, love of the Holy Spirit. Our worship of God is first and foremost. So that's why I'm not going to wear the shirt, but I'll throw it on after or I'll throw okay. it on on Saturday. I think a good way to put it is I love the United States and America. Uh, I love and worship Jesus. There you go. <laughs> like, there you go. And those two are not, you know, uh, it is not some. Yeah, I think that's just a way to put it. We talked earlier in the week about the difference between patriotism, which we want to encourage you to do mm-hmm. to be patriotic 
and nationalism, which we want to encourage you away from. Yes. And I think that that is healthy. But there was an interesting article I'd love for you to talk about at Christianity Today uh, just a couple days ago that says Independence Day calls us to holy work of repair. Uh, it says our flag symbolizes the beauty of American ideals and the brokenness of history. I think Amy Julia Becker wrote this. It kind of gets at this idea we were talking about that to love our country means to be willing to critique it. And yep. say that part of my love for my country is wanting it to be the best it can be. And part of it wanting to be the best it can be is me wanting to look at it and go, here's where it's not the best it can be right now. Yes. Uh, as opposed, And that doesn't make me unpatriotic. That actually makes me patriotic. Yes. Uh, and so talk a little bit about this article, but also that idea of of being able to ask the hard questions about who we are as a people. Yeah, one of the things that Amy Julia Becker talks about, something that I connect to and something I'm sure many of our listeners, even you, Brian, might connect to. She talked about how she would go on a summer vacation, Long Island Sound, every summer, and her grandfather would lower the American flag every night, fold it gently, and put it away. And I would say because many of us have grandparents who fought in World War II, um, the flag has hold a really meaningful place in a lot of our families' mm -hmm. lives. And mm -hmm. and um, that's my uh, my grandfather served under General Patton in World War II. And so my mom has a flag folded and and framed. And, and I know that's very meaningful symbol for a lot of our listeners. What this article talks about, and I feel like this is so important for us to understand, is that for July 4th, um, Every act of injustice within our society, this is what Amy Julia Becker says, is like a knife slashing through the fabric of the flag. Mm. She says, like a spray of blood that stains those white stripes of freedom. And each time we remember those acts, acts of racism, acts of terrorism, acts of destruction, each time we remember those, each protest against those are an act of veneration of those same stars and stripes. So here's what she says. If the flag flies as a symbol of our nation, it must represent both beauty and brokenness. And as we celebrate our nation's independence, we need to remember both sides. We need traditions. We need stories. We need a theological imagination that allows us to hold both the beauty and the brokenness mm -hmm. of our nation. And that's how we honor those stars and stripes. That's really well put. And it's the same thing with the church, right? We, we critique and we look at the church and we say, where is it messed up? Where has it been great? Where, but it doesn't mean we're losing uh, our, our hope in the church and our that's it. Uh, belief that the church can be a vehicle uh, of God's work or is a, is really the vehicle of God's work in, in this world. And it's the same thing when we talk about our country. We say, I love my country so much that I want it to be a place that everybody loves and that yeah. everybody and that it's just doing well and that is continuing to ask the right questions and, and, you know, get rid of the things that are, you know, destructive and all of these things. She writes, when we participate in the work of repairing the wounds of injustice, we participate in the resurrection of Christ. Mm. We receive the healing uh, and forgiveness of God that forgiveness God offers both personally and collectively by his grace. When we acknowledge brokenness and seek to repair it, we not only see the pain of injustice, uh, we also are invited into the beauty of healing. And then we are invited to become agents of that healing work. I, I think that is such, I, we keep saying it over and over again, Aubrey, but I do think there's people out there who have, who have kind of gotten 
this idea that if you ever critique America, say, then you hate America. Mm. If you ever try to talk about the things we've gotten wrong throughout history or currently, then then you should leave the love it or leave it. Right. Love it or leave it. Yeah. And I would say that to love the country, much like to love the church or to. Uh, to really love it is to want to do the hard work to uh, to ask the hard questions, to look at the dark spots of it and to go, we want to be better. I think that's what it means to love our country. That's exactly right. Just I mean, you've said it before, but just like anything you love, like your marriage, like your organization, like your own kids, you want to own the things that are sinful, the things in the history that are uh, terrible, frankly, and do the work to make reparations so healing can go forward. And some of the things that we, we can participate in local elections. We can challenge restrictive zoning laws. We can give to nonprofits and invest in communities that have a history of discrimination. We can teach our children the beauty and the brokenness of our national stories. We can lament before God. We can ask God for change. And I think, Brian, the important posture, like you said, is not to have that love it or leave it posture, because I think that sort of blind acceptance of history is not going to do well for us. We need to say we have had historically racism. We have had historically sexism. We have had historically terrible things in our country. And yet we love our nation. We have hope for it. We know it's a beautiful place. So we're going to do the work to make changes so all people can live equally under God in America. That is well put. I felt like uh, we're going to leave that there. You just preach stuff. That's the 4th of July sermon that we need right there. Right there. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Dr. Peace Amati, uh, author of a new book called Why Do I Feel Like This? Understand Your Difficult Emotions and Find Grace to Move Through. Dr. Peace Amati is going to join us next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. And Aubrey and I are thrilled to be joined by the author of a new book called Why Do I Feel Like This? Understand Your Difficult Emotions and Find Grace to Move Through. That author is Dr. Peace Amade. Peace, how are you doing today? I am doing well, living my best life in Southern California right now. Oh, we're so, we're so, we told you off air, we're so jealous of say, you. After you said that, we're just going to say, hey, thanks for joining us today, and then away we go. So, uh, well, just wanted to rub that in a little bit. We, but, yeah. Thank you for that, Dr. Amadi. Well, you know, some of, us just like, some of us just like humidity and heat and cold and, you know, all the like. So, uh, Peace, before we jump into your book, which just looks wonderful, it looks phenomenal, before we do that, could you introduce introduce yourself to our audience so they can get to know you a little bit? Yeah, well, like you said, my name is Peace Amati. So I guess professionally, Dr. Peace Amati, but I go by Peace. You know, we're all friends here. Oh, good. Um, and <laughs> I, um, by day, I am a psychology professor, um, but by afternoon and the rest of my day, I'm a writer and a coach and obviously the author of a new book. And I do a couple other things, but I like to say that what sort of my central mission is to help people heal Mm. um, and lead. And I find that the more that people are in touch with their healing journey and pursuing their healing healing journey, um, the more equipped, the more effective they are as leaders. So that's my whole spiel. Love Um, it. Thank you for asking that. 
Oh, it sounds like such a good mission. Again, we, we said before, Brian and I are both pastors, and obviously you're in leadership, and we all need health in leadership for sure. So I love that you're doing what you're doing. Um, Peace, the name of your book is Why Do I Feel Like This? Understand Your Difficult Moments and Find Grace to Move Through. Can you give us sort of a bird's eye view of why you wrote the book and what it's about? Absolutely. So first of all, um, why do I feel like this? If you think about it as a question, we're always asking ourselves, yeah. right? Um, why am I? Why am I feeling like this? Or why am I still feeling like mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've worked with a lot of young women and um, get a lot of questions, particularly about things like heartbreak and heartache, and you know, they'll come to me like, "Why am I still?" feeling so hurt about this? Why am I still so depressed about this? And so, you know, I've been kind of, I've been attuned to the fact that this is a question that so many of us are asking about some of our more difficult emotions and felt like there was definitely room to, to share, you know, my wisdom, my insight, my expertise, even my own personal journey as to helping people understand why we feel some of the most difficult things we feel. Mm. And in the book, you know, I break down seven different of our most difficult emotions from anxiety to depression to discouragement to envy to shame to hurt and trauma. And just felt like, you know, this, I wanted to provide a resource so that people would, one, understand that they are normal for feeling what they feel, Mm. um, however ugly it may seem and however long it may feel like you're feeling it. And I wanted people to go to, to move from feeling any kind of, you know, shame or embarrassment mm-hmm. about, around some of these emotions and really look at emotions. Here's my big thing. Really look at emotions as our advocate. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, we, you know, we've gotten messages, messages along the way, whether it be from our church, our family, our culture, society, whatever that, what we feel is bad, and I, I'd, I'd rather, I'm inviting people to not look at emotions that way and look at them as simply these advocates, these friends of ours that God has designed that are trying to tell us something about what it is we need, mm. what it is we're missing, what it is that's going unfulfilled. And if we begin to look at our emotions like that mm. as our advocates, for our healing, um, as our friends, then we're going to get a lot closer to that wholeness. I know that we're all seeking. That's good. And, and peace. What you talked about shame. What happens in our lives? Help people understand when we are dominated by shame. When those emotions lead to shame. What What is kind of the result in our life? What are our lives going to look like then? Yeah, I love that question because um, I remember going back and forth with whether I was going to include a, a shame chapter because I don't know that a lot of people recognize that they're dealing with shame. Right. And so I decided, yes, I'm going to write this chapter and I'm going to start with a conversation about how shame manifests um, in our lives. Um, so some of the ways that looks like, some of the ways shame shows up would be through people-pleasing or um, perfectionism or difficulty, you know, taking responsibility for things and saying I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, or losing yourself in busy work, hiding out, you know, whether it be, um, you know, literally just in your house all day or 
um, Netflix or Hulu or, you know, Amazon Prime. <laughs> Definitely. Where I lose my Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so true. You know, <laughs> but, you know, shame just, you know, as a spoiler alert, shame is kind of this belief that we're not always aware of that, you know, something's fundamentally wrong mm. with us. And, you know, we can get into, like, theological debate about whether we're good or we're bad or whatever, whatever, whatever. But I, 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 I personally do not believe that it's God's desire that we feel like we are worthless, right? That yeah. we are, yeah. um, you know, just fundamentally just wrong. Right. You know, I mean, yes, we all fall short of the glory of God, but there's goodness, you know, in yes. us. Like God literally created us in his first words where this is good, right? right. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. That's right. But um, shame is the opposite of that. Shame mm-hmm. is believing, like, you know, you're no good. You're mm-hmm. nothing. And that just looks, it shows up in our lives in so many different ways. Um, some of the ones I just mentioned. And that's where I start because I want to open people's eyes to how they could be struggling with this and not even realize that they are. So part of your work is just getting people to acknowledge, oh, this is shame I'm feeling. Um, for the listener who, who maybe right now just heard that and they're recognizing that, oh, wait, that's because I feel shame or that's because I'm trying to achieve that, you know, just overcompensate for feeling like I'm not enough or whatever. What kind of words of wisdom would you say to that person? Yeah, I would say, um, first of all, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're starting to acknowledge that because that's a big deal, you know, in and of itself. Like you just said, a lot of people, and like I just said, a lot of people just don't realize yeah. um, that that's what's going on. And the second thing I would immediately say is, you know, that is all of us. You know, yeah. we're all, you know, we, we've, we, again, we've all been sent messages and we've all kind of, are just living life the best we can. And, you know, like Maya Angelou says, you know, when we, I'm paraphrasing, when we do, when we know better, we do better. Mm. And so as you're beginning to acknowledge, oh, there may be something deeper going on here. I, I celebrate that. And I say, uh, and I, I um, want you to know that that's normal and it's, and it's beautiful. Um, because again, the more we learn about ourselves, we, the more we learn about what, you know, really at the at the core of our pain and our difficulties mm-hmm. and our patterns that we keep going back to, that we say we're never going to go back to, you know, we're all in the same boat. But the more that we learn um, in community and in God's love, the better we do and the more that wholeness, you know, is is um, accessible. Yeah, it's good. So good. Again, Dr. Peace Amadi is the author of a new book called Why Do I Feel Like This? Understand Your Difficult Emotions and Find Grace to Move Through. So glad to have you stay with us. And in the introduction of your book, I just loved you. Tell a story about hearing Chris Tomlin's Good, Good Father. A lot of us know that song. It was all over the radio. You know, churches were singing it. Could you just tell that story? I found that story to be really helpful. (laughs) Yeah, um, let's see. So, um, first of all, that is, it is one of my favorite songs. But I was sharing in the book that, um, well, let me share this part of it. I, I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful that that song has the lyrics that it has. Yeah. You know, I, you know, you're a good, good father and I'm loved by you. And that being, you know, what he chooses to write and sing about us as humans, yeah. like being loved. I love you know, of all the messages that we're told, 
you know, by society, by family, by culture, whatever, about who we are. Um, I love, you know, thinking that loved is the most important Mm. thing about that, being God's beloved. And I was making a joke that I was grateful that that was the lyric (laughs) because we can say so many other things about who we are. (laughs) Right. Um, and, And if this song, you know, if this song was written like super realistically and pragmatic, <laughs> pragmatically, it would be like, you know, and I'm, I, you know, you're a good, good father and I'm, you know, greedy and selfish and desperate and clingy and yeah. need help. Oh, that's and, you good. Know, yep. Thank God that's not the song. <laughs> that's good. Oh yeah. I love that. I'm needy. I'm greedy. I mean, really, that would be a very entertaining worship song, but it's good. <laughs> it's good. He reminds us that we are loved. We appreciate that you're doing that as well in all of your work, Dr. Amadi. Um, I want to transition just a little bit because you're the founder of something called Influencing Well. You're a speaker, you're a TV host, you're a coach, you're all kinds of things, a professor like we talked about, but you also have started Influencing Well. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, so that is my newer um, wellness-centered company, and like I mentioned um, in the in the last bit, my my whole thing, what I feel like I've been called to is to helping people um, heal and lead. So I've always been very, I've always been very drawn to leaders and the process of leadership, growing them, you know, helping people see the the leader in them, and helping them like walk fully and the purpose God has called them to, you know, and being equipped to be all that they could be. Mm. Um, but what I've realized walking this process myself and being a mentor and a coach to, to other emerging leaders is that we can be um, really good leaders or think we are and be really, really struggling mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. relationally. Yeah. And, and I just don't think that's what, I mean, that's not what God has for us. And I, I do think we sell ourselves short in our leadership. We undercut our leadership when we're not doing well internally. Mm. So influencing well, the goal of that is to um, create uh, products, uh, courses, workshops. You know, I'm still building the library and all of that. So that influencers, leaders, entrepreneurs, um, you know, wherever you fit in that sphere, are you're influencing well, you know, as a leader, but also while being well. Mm, and so good. that's the whole goal. We can we can do those things together. We should strive to be well inside as we, you know, strive to lead well. I love that. Uh, and peace from your book, I wonder, you talk about getting overwhelmed by all sorts of difficult emotions. Could you maybe, uh, what's the first step for the person out there listening who does feel overwhelmed right now? What would you encourage for them? Uh, what do they do? I, I Let me give them the first step. Go pick up your book. But, but <laughs> what, what would a step be that you would tell them, hey, here's kind of a change of course. Here's what you can do if you're feeling overwhelmed right now. Yeah, so um, that's a it's a great question, and you know you're right. A lot of people feel overwhelmed by their feelings. I know I do um, often. I've always been a very emotional person, a highly sensitive person, mm. and so I feel like I you know often uh, have potential to kind of drown in my own stuff. And yeah. what's been really helpful is to first to slow down. Well, let me back that up first. You know, I'm big on validating. It's, this is not abnormal. A lot of people are kind of in this boat with like, oh my gosh, like this is just so much. I don't, I don't even know 
you know, my next step. Yeah. But I would encourage to slow down. And um, one thing that's really been helpful personally for me is actually either journaling, if you're into that, or um, talk, speaking whatever it is that you're feeling out loud. Literally mm-hmm. just taking a moment to get whatever it is you're feeling outside of your head. Hmm. Because what the brain is trying to do is sort of make sense of whatever your experience is. And the more you can help your brain make sense of whatever it is you're feeling, the more your brain will actually help you figure out the solution, whatever that solution needs to be. So it's super important to either write it down in a journal. Um, It starts to clarify in that process. If you're not into that, take a walk. Literally Mm -hmm. talk to yourself. You know, okay, I'm feeling like this. You know, or or this happened, and I think this is making me feel like this. Um, Just trying to slow down and, and find words to put to whatever feeling that you're feeling or whatever thoughts that you're having is a really great start um, for coming down from that overwhelm. Your brain will start to work with you to figure out the next step. Oh, I love that. Such good practical handholds for our listeners. And Dr. Madu, I think we told you before, Brian and I are both pastors. You're obviously in ministry leadership. How do you think the church can do better at supporting those struggling with mental health? Mm-hmm. Oof, this is the question. <laughs> I'm very, very passionate about this. I did write a whole chapter on something called spiritual bypassing, which is where we or others sort of use, you know, Christian platitudes, you know, oversimplified statements um, to sort of dismiss and disregard someone's emotional being or mm. emotional struggle. And this may not be intentional. This happens probably more likely inadvertently, but the thing is, is that it does happen. I do share a story, one example of how it happened to me where I was like, this, this was not helpful. I think churches, spiritual leaders in general need to realize that um, some of the things that we were taught to say during someone's pain, during someone's struggle, um, isn't always, isn't often the best thing to say in the moment, mm. what you want to really focus, what you really want to realize as a church, as a spiritual leader, is that people need to be acknowledged in their pain. They need to be validated in their pain. They need to feel like you're not trying to run over them with some super, you know, easy, quick fix of a solution because realistically, none of that stuff works. Yeah. And so when something doesn't work, if, if I'm really struggling in the throes, if I'm really in the grips of anxiety, and the only thing you're telling me is just let go, let God. Or, <laughs> is that it? Don't, yes. Yeah, yes. Let yes. go. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, um, I get it. I get where that comes from. I get, I think I get the heart that that comes from. But if you're telling that to someone who's in the grips of anxiety, in the grips of worry, and genuinely has a reason to be worrying or anxious, yeah. again, I, in the book I get, into why we feel those things and then they're not able to just let go Mm. and let God. Now we have someone who feels ashamed of what they feel. Mm. Now we have someone who's, you know, wondering what's wrong with them. Like, why can't this, 
you know, why can't I just snap out of this? Yeah. Now you have someone who's probably going to grow a little bit more resentful towards that spiritual leader or that church because they're telling some telling them something that does not work, yeah. right? right? And then it starts to feel even um, it, it, can, it starts to feel even oppressive to mm-hmm. a degree because it's like I'm I'm literally in pain here, and what you're telling me isn't working. And you know what? This is hard work. Churches, spiritual leaders may not always have the right words to say, but it's not about the words to say. It's about being with. That's good. It's about being with, right? It's about acknowledging this is painful. This is hard. I can understand why you would worry. It's about, you know, acknowledging. It's about validating. It's about presence. It's about saying, I don't have all the right words to say right now, but I'm going to stay here with you in this pain. That's literally, you know, what, like the best thing we could do and probably far more simpler than Mm -hmm. having the right things to say. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we miss that and we don't realize how much damage that can do for a person's journey. So I'm just just encouraging people just to be present, acknowledge more, validate more, show up more, be with more. Love that. Um, There'll be time to speak into it, but let's start with the being with because pain is hard. Yeah, That's a good word again. That's Dr. P. Samadhi. Uh, She's the author of a new book called Why Do I Feel Like This? Understand Your Difficult Emotions and Find Grace to Move Through. You can learn more about peace at Peace Amadi. That's A-M-A-D-I, peaceamadi.com. And also on Twitter at It's Peace Amadi. Again, that's at It's Peace Amadi. Peace, it's great to meet you. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being here. This has been fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. It is Friday. We're excited for that. The weekend is before. Fourth of July weekend. Fourth of July weekend. You got any big plans this weekend? We are heading out of town just for a couple days to my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's cabin with them. Fun. And uh, my wife's whole family will be there. So it'll be a lot of fun. How about you guys? Fourth of July. Um, we're going to be real lazy. We've been gone the past few weekends because of my husband's big triathlon Ironman events. And so we're going to just do nothing. And I'm very excited about it. That Sometimes that's all that's needed. Okay. Uh, we're going to do two of our favorite uh, recurring things here uh, right now. The first is this. Okay. Over the last couple of weeks, I have a perfect record on dad jokes with you. You so do have a perfect either, record. They're either good dad jokes or they're bad. They're yeah. dead jokes, yeah. right? And so the only way you don't get to declare, is it good or bad? It's just whether you laugh or not. Right. And that determines that it's officially a dad joke. If I don't yes. laugh, it's a dud joke. So I have yeah. owned this so far. Because You've really done ones, well. And I'm not sure I'm going to get you with this one. Okay. Um, but you said that you had one. I have one. And I'm I'm probably tougher to win over on these. Yeah, so. I'm not even sure I'm convinced the one I'm going to share is a solid one, but I'm going I'm going for it anyway. Are, are you ready? Oh, okay, no, okay, no, okay. I'm, I'm going first. I'm ready. Okay, you're a pastor, so you'll appreciate this. Okay. What kind of cars do pastors drive? What kind? Chryslers. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> you laughed, everybody. I was doing all I could not to laugh, but that was good. Yes. Okay, a good okay. pastor joke, got Jesus yeah. into it. Yep. It's all it's our demographic. So well done. Well Thank done. you. I appreciate that. All right, here we go. Uh let's uh where did I put this one? Okay. Aubrey. <laughs> I already got you. <laughs> wow. Hold on. Okay. What do you call a pudgy psychic? 
Oh, no, what? A pudgy psychic is a fortune teller. Fortune teller? Fortunes. (laughs) (laughs) I got you once I explained it. (laughs) That's so stupid. That's so dumb. (laughs) But you're laughing. I am laughing. I think I'm laughing at how dumb it is. That one's the closest to bad I did because I had to explain it to you. Yeah, that that took a little too much. I was thinking like four. Then I was like, he's trying to say four ton. Like, is that so? Fortune. Fortune. Fortune teller. That's sexist against fat people. I don't like that one. Then why do you laugh? You already laughed at it. I win that one. Okay. All right. The second one that we enjoy to do is something that we haven't done in a while right now. We like to call this segment Jerker Justified. Let me explain it, and then we're going to go to the great intro music for it. Okay. Uh, Jerker Justified is this. One of us, usually me, tells you a uh, something that happened in my life, but sometimes you will tell me something from your yes, life. Yes. Or occasionally we'll, we'll tell a story from someone else's life. And you have the simple choice. After understanding what happened, you have to declare me or the other person to either be jerk by how they acted or justified in how they acted. So it's very simple. It's a very simple game we like to call jerk or justified. Let's listen to the intro music here. It's time for another round of your favorite game. Am I a jerk or am I justified? So that's it. Uh, I might be a jerk for the joke I just told, apparently, in your eyes. Yeah, but I, I do. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah. You're a jerk I, for I, laughing. Mixed, I know. That's what I was just thinking. I'm kind of a jerk, too. So we're, we're, yeah. we'll share in our jerkiness. There you go. Okay. Here's my story. Okay. Okay. And I will leave names out of this for Wise. To, protect, Wise. to protect the innocent. Okay. Um, but I was, I, I was, uh, and this is similar to one I told you before, but I was at an event recently. Okay. okay I was at an event. Uh, and I was trying to move on. From where I was, but I got cornered in a conversation. Yep, we've been all there. been there. Yep. Uh, most people feel like that from four until six here on AM eleven sixty. <laughs> but I was, uh, I was cornered in a conversation. Yes. Uh, and I was done with said conversation. Okay. But the, have you ever been with these people who just won't stop talking? Yes. I mean, talk and talk. Yes. And talk, and there was no real out from That's this. That's so hard. Uh, and so here's what I did. Uh, and uh, and then I, as I was walking away, I thought, mm, was I jerk or was I justified there? Uh, this person was not done talking. They were like kind of, they kind of paused and took a breath. Okay. And I walked away. Stop. Wait, stop. You didn't say anything? Nope. Come on. I walked away. No. I did. Like just turned around and walked away? Yeah, because they knew, they could tell I was moving on to like I had to keep you going. You did say, I got to go now. Mm-mm. Oh, so sorry. I'm late to the XYZ. Mm-mm. You just turned around. There was and like left. a pause where one could have, <sighs> one could have thought the conversation was done. Yeah, but no, I knew this person, so I knew it wasn't. Done. Yeah. Do you? Did you walk away like they're going to be like, oh, Brian's such a jerk. He walked away mad, or was it just like, yeah, no, the conversation's over. Okay. And so again, yeah. to provide context, you one could have been a part of this conversation and thought that the pause was the story's over. Okay. Or the conversation's over. Yeah. I just know that person well enough to know that it wasn't. Yeah, that that person was gonna keep on talking. So the fact that I didn't say, Hey, I'm really sorry I have to go I didn't have to go. I just wanted yeah. to be done. Yeah. So I would have been lying. I would have been a jerk for lying. Right. Um but I did just kinda You just <laughs> walked away. away. Walked away. I mean <clears throat> Am I, little, uh, let's ask the question. Yeah. Am I a jerk? Yeah. Or was I justified? This is hard for me because in one sense, I hate being cornered in those conversations. Like, it is awful. And so I feel like I want to, like, 
clap for you, like a little slow clap, that you did just walk away. That that takes some gumption that we all, I feel like, in your shoes would want to do the same thing. But I think because you didn't give an explanation, that puts you in the jerk category. You're a real jerk. So what would that explanation have well, been? Well, so this is why I have mixed feelings, because you almost would have had to lie. Not almost. <laughs> right. Or, I mean, I suppose you can just say, I'm so sorry, it was great talking to you. Or I and walk away. And so you don't have to give an explanation, you just say, it was good to talk to you. Walk away. I, so I could have said uh, something like that. I could have said, hey, it was great to see you. And walk or away. Yeah. Just I could have pretended my phone rang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few. Uh, there's a few options. The hard part it is is sort of it. It, it is maybe untruthful. It's, it's a gray area. It's a gray area. But I also think the person was maybe a little bit of a jerk to corner you and just keep talking without giving you an opportunity to step in and say anything. Yes. But I still I'm a, I'm going to say jerk on that one, but I also get it. I get the instinct. So there's maybe a manners way to do it. So help us. So let's flesh that out. Okay. What would uh what would Aubrey Sampson manners look like right. in that situation right. where I am, I am from the south. So this is, you know, saving face is really important. You would have said, stop talking, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I feel like I've been in those situations a lot. And I tend to just sort of like tap the person on the arm and say, like, I am so sorry. I, this was great talking to you, but I have to go. So and, if and I do get a tap on like the that. shoulder from you, I know, you know that's I've like, overstepped. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, a little like, uh, you know, or just sort of like, oh, I, I'm so sorry. I love hearing you your story, but I got to go. But that's me sort of lying. Yeah. To make myself look good, what really, when I, I want to get out of there. What if I had been like, hey, it is really good to see you. I just got a text that my dog died. Yeah, that's that's too far. <laughs> I think that's definitely, that's that's too far. I, I, You know, when I told the story to you there, so in the moment, I felt completely justified. You did? Because you were just annoyed and this person was being obnoxious. Not even annoyed and yeah. not even obnoxious. Just, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I just want to move. <laughs> told you before that in like personality tests and stuff i'm the one who likes to bounce around a room yeah 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 and yeah. go around yeah. and so you don't want to be corner that doesn't feel good but now that i told the story i feel a little bit like a jerk yeah you probably just should have said some words what if you actually had to be somewhere like let's pretend you were in the church lobby yes that happens quite a bit you had to get uh-huh you had to or there's a new person that you were more yeah. excited to talk to then are you more justified or you still need to be like, hey, I got to go? I think you have to say, especially in that case, you're like, I'm so sorry I really want to spend time with you, but I have an appointment or I have a commitment or I have something. I have to yes. go. And you just have to say it. You just got to be bold and do it. I should say, if there's anybody listening from my church right now, this didn't happen at church. <laughs> this wasn't so. you. If you're curious if it was you, it wasn't it you. It might have been you, just not in the church. But uh, no, it was, was it me, Brian? <laughs> it was me, wasn't it? No, I would have tapped you on the shoulder. <laughs> And said it's all right, that's jerk or justified, some dad jokes. Love it. We might have insulted some people, but that's all good. We're glad that you're with us on this Friday afternoon. Coming up next, an author that I loved reading for many years. I uh, still haven't read his books in a while, but a great author named Philip Yancey at the age of 71. I can't believe he's amazing? 71. Uh, it says he still believes amazing grace despite our country's divisions. We're going to talk about that next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Coming up this hour, we're talking about Amazing Grace in spite of our country's divisions. And we have a fun Summer Olympic Top 5 list for you. You're listening to The Common Good.
everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Friday afternoon. Looking into July 4th weekend. Hopefully you got yes. some barbecues planned, some fireworks planned. Especially after last 4th of July, in the middle of COVID, there wasn't a lot of celebrating That's happening. So this is going to be a really, really big weekend for you. And we're so excited that you're here with us today. Um, you can also find and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Common Good Talk. We have a lot of fun, we have a lot of fun on the social meets. The social meets. The social meets. The socias. The socias. That's How right. How old do we sound? <laughs> we definitely sound old. All right. Speaking of old, no, just kidding. He's not old. Not old. A young, vibrant author. I mean, it says that he's hiked all fifty-eight peaks in the Rocky Mountains over fourteen thousand feet. Has so, he really? Yes. We're talking about Age Philip Yancey. By the way, at age 71, he's hiking all kinds of peaks. He still believes in amazing grace, despite the country's divisions. Philip Yancey, of course, is the author of What's So Amazing About Grace? Is that the title of the book? And The Jesus I Never Knew. And um, some incredible, really popular books several years ago. He actually has another memoir out now called Where the Light Fell. It's coming out this fall. But um, our friend Bob Smetana, friends of friend, friend of, the of the show, show. Uh, who writes over at Religion News Network, got to do an interview with Philip Yancey talking about what Philip Yancey says now about Amazing Grace, especially in the middle of all of the divides we're seeing in our country. And Bob asked him, what do you think keeps people from believing in grace and extending it to others? And Philip Yancey says, I feel like I keep coming back to the word fear. Mm. In the evangelical movement where I grew up, it was the fear of hell for sure and fear of the world and then fear of electing a Catholic president and John Kennedy and fear of the Left Behind series, fear (laughs) of homosexuals, fear of secular humanism, fear of communism. We're still living in that kind of fear-based environment. It seems to me that's kind of a fatal flaw of our movement. I thought that was really interesting. And then Bob asks him what surprises him these days. And Philip Yancey says, I'm reminded regularly of God's sense of humor. So did you read uh, What's So Amazing About Grace Growing Up or The Jesus I Never Knew? I did. Jesus I Never Knew for a long time was one of my favorite books. And you know how sometimes... where, when and where you read a book makes like all the difference yeah, in the world. So totally. Here's the story. When I went to college or when I was in college, uh, you and I both went to Wheaton College. I did the Wheaton in the Holy Lands. Oh, nice. Uh, so an entire summer. Well, it was like Memorial Day to the 4th of July. We went, uh, we were in Greece, uh, most of our time in Israel and then in Rome. And while in Israel, like while we're like seeing all these things about Jesus, where Jesus was this, I was reading the Jesus I never knew. Oh, how cool is that? It really was. And so I'll always remember that book. Philip Yancey, like you said, a prolific writer, but he he always does kind of bend towards grace. Mm-hmm. Hence his book, What's So Amazing About Grace. And I think he is kind of on to something like we have this fear that if we are too, if we lend too much towards grace, all hell's going to break loose. Yeah. Right? Well, what about... Uh, what about this or what about that? And so legalism, oftentimes, he, his point is, is born out of fear to kind of keep everybody within the rules and within mm-hmm. the pen. Uh, and, and his point is, right now, we so need grace right now. And That's you and right. I talked, we talk all the time about cancel culture, mm-hmm. about unforgiveness. He mm-hmm. talked in his book and he talks here in this interview about ungrace, kind of the opposite of showing grace. And he, man, he wrote this book 25 years ago. But right now, I do feel like in the church... And culturally speaking, we live in such a time uh, of ungrace yeah. 
where we we don't show grace to one another. So we don't show forgiveness to right. one another. We don't expect the or uh, presume best intentions about one mm-hmm. another. So this book, I think, is really timely. Twenty five years later, to go be amazed by the grace that Jesus has shown you. That's the what's so amazing about grace. Yeah. And then the and then the outflow of that is show that same grace to one another. That's show right. that same forgiveness. Yeah, I think this is an important book and a important concept, obviously, right now. Another question that Bob asked Yancey was this. I thought this was really interesting. He said, if you could talk to evangelical leaders right now or to people in the pew, what would you say to them? He says, I would go back to that beautiful discourse in John chapters 13 to 17, which is really Jesus's last time with his disciples. And um, he says this, what did Jesus do? He washed their feet. And he said, this is your stance in the world. You're a servant. You're not leaders. And you should be known by your love. You should be known by your unity. And then Philip Yancey says this, yet so often the church seems more interested in cleaning up society, you know, Mm. returning America to its pristine 1950s. That's the myth we have. We are making America pure again, cleaning it up. What do you think mm. about that, Brian? Uh, it's what we talk about all the time. Yeah. That the goal of the church and the goal of the Christian is not to make America better. Like yeah. we want to. Like sure. I, I love our country. Fourth of July. I'm going to, if there was a parade in my town, I'd be there. That's right. right. I've got the flag out. Like yep. love, love, love. But his point is uh, that we serve a different Lord. We have a different kingdom. Okay. And, and that it is one built on love and grace and, and knowing and that that's what we're known for in servanthood, right? He washed their feet and therefore we are to wash the feet of others. Uh, I think this is, you know, Yancey's good. And, and so this idea that to be known for our love, to be known for our grace, and that that actually would just transform the culture around us. Yet so often we are driven in his words by fear. Hmm. Uh, we've got to hold on. We're losing our country or we're losing our this or we're losing that. Yeah. Uh, and that that's not the posture that we're to take. Instead, Jesus didn't take that posture. Jesus said, how can I love and serve and and wash people's feet who, I mean, he washed the feet of those who are going to deny him and we're going to run away. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, and that then becomes the model by which we are to live. One other thing that Yancey says is let's remember why we're here. Just like you said, Brian, we love people, we serve and we show them why God's way is better. Let's concentrate on that rather than tearing people down or rejecting them or denigrating them in some way. We are here to bring pleasure to God. I believe we do that by living in the way God's son taught us to live when he was on earth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because sometimes these things do seem simplistic. Like Mm -hmm. we're like, just live like Jesus. But it is actually so profound and so powerful that if we could put aside our, I don't know, our egos or our need to control or our need to have power, our need to be right, right. If we could put that aside and just love and serve other people um, and remember, like you said, Brian, who we serve, whose kingdom are we subject to? That's I right. feel like in this day and age, that would be such a breath of fresh air that it would make an actual, actual difference in this world that's so divided right now. Absolutely. And so I think it causes these types of conversations should always cause us to look in the mirror and go, there you go. What does my life look like? Is it mo- am I modeling grace? Am I modeling the love of Christ to other people? It's one thing to say it into a radio microphone or from a pulpit or whatever else. But it's to go, okay, is that how I'm treating my spouse? Is that how I'm treating my neighbor? How about the people I don't like? Well, all of this, uh, do I model this sort of, um, this sort of grace and, and, and give people a picture of, to use his title, what is so amazing yeah. about grace? That's so good, Brian. Such a good word. Well, we hope you're encouraged by that to consider showing grace and love and serving other people, especially in a 
time right now it's when it's so divided and if you kind of have that instinct to like go after someone maybe pause and ask Jesus what he would want you to do and choose a different way choose a better way well stick in, stick around cuz we're uh, going to be talking about one of Brian's favorite gentlemen friend of the show friend of the show pastor Scott Sauls has written a very cool article about Eugene Peterson Bono of you too, and a lot of wisdom there. We'll be talking about that next on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good on this Friday afternoon. My name is Aubrey Sampson. I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Fromm, and we are talking about a really interesting, really interesting conversation that friend of the show, Scott Saul's wrote about was a conversation between Eugene Peterson, the author of the message translation of the Bible. Eugene passed away maybe a year ago, year and a half ago now. And um, a little rock star named Bono. Mm, heard of him. Heard of him. Lead singer of U2. Paul Houston is his re- actual name How from Ireland. That? Because I'm a U2 fan. I know that. What's your favorite U2 album? Uh, Joshua Tree. I'm yeah. kind of old school. What about you? I would agree. Although there are... I think I probably listened to the most U2 during, uh, what was the album? Was was the whole album called One? Or which, what was One oh, on? Oh, that's such a good song. Uh, yeah, whatever album that's on. And I don't know if that's the name of the album or if it's just on that album. But anyway, we yeah. digress. Yes, we digress. U2 is a good band. Anyway, so so this is the... <laughs> this <laughs> wrapping is, it up. <laughs> wrapping it up. Go buy U2's music. Okay, so Scott... Sauls is hearing this, telling this really interesting story where Bono wanted to sit down with Eugene Peterson, mm-hmm. and Eugene Peterson said no. And um, the interviewer said, how could you have possibly said no to meeting with Bono? And at the time, Eugene Peterson was working on the translation of Isaiah for the Message Bible, and the person said, this is, the interviewer said, this is Bono we're talking about, for goodness sake. And Eugene Peterson humbly responded to the interview, but this is Isaiah we're talking about. <laughs> I just awesome. love that. Brian, tell me what you thought about this article. I just thought that was, that, there. Sauls gets into so much about, like, reflecting upon it. But Eugene Peterson, like you said, he wrote the message translation. Uh, also that quote that we use all the time, a long obedience in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Like, Eugene Peterson uh, there was so much to him. Obviously, he has since passed away. But Sauls takes this story uh, to then move on and reflect upon uh, what would it be like for us to live with this posture? What would it actually be like for mm. us to live with a posture that says, I don't need the affirmation of a rock star or I don't right. need the affirmation of um, whatever else it might be, but to be secure yeah. in who we are. Yeah, one of the things that he talks about, this Scott Sauls talks about, is what struck me most. There's a video of Bono and Eugene getting together, how free Eugene was to relate to Bono as a valued fellow carrier of the image of God and fellow wrestler, instead of relating to him as an untouchable, world-famous star of the stage. There was no fawning, no getting tongue-tied, no nervousness, no intimidation, only kindness and attentiveness in the exchange between the two flawed, fearfully and wonderfully made Humans And what Scott, what Scott is saying is that because Eugene was so secure in his identity in Christ mm-hmm. that he didn't need approval from this other person or he didn't even get really shaken by this other person because he knew who he was in Jesus. And I feel like for all of us, this is a really good word. I and mean, we're not obviously meeting with rock stars consistently, but 
whoever's approval you need, or maybe whatever it is you think you need to achieve in order to have God's approval, the word here for all of us is no. Like, we are so loved by our Father. We have enough. We are blessed. We are sons and daughters, and therefore we are secure and don't need to sort of... um, fall by the whims of the the quote-unquote rock stars right. in our lives. That's right. And I did like, I, I think we had some audio, I did like the beginning of this when uh, you get a glimpse in the Bono, because you think about these, we're using rock stars, but yeah. athletes, celebrities, yeah. whatever else it might be, you think of them as like, always like, you must meet with me, you must, uh, and there's a humbleness of like, what you forget is Eugene Peterson's writings had such an in, profound impact on Bono. There you go. He was almost looking at, at Peterson the way most people probably look at Bono. Listen to, listen to what Bono said here. Mr. Peterson, uh, Eugene, um, my name is Bono. I'm a singer with uh, the group U2 and wanted to sort of video message you my thanks and our thanks and the band for this remarkable work you've done. There's been some great translations, some very literary translations, but no translation that I've read that um, speaks to me in my own language. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, take a rest now, won't you? Bye. So again, I, I found that to yeah. be just uh, heartwarming. Like you listen to me, he's like, oh, Mr. Peterson, this is Bono. <laughs> and, and just like, go and get some rest now. Thank you for all you do. Like, you, yes. you kind of don't expect that from someone no. of his stature, but I love the humility and I, and I love, I love what you said that almost like Peterson was a rock star. To him. To him. That's yeah. Right. That's yeah. Right. So Saul's, I do appreciate because then he's like, let me make the point here and, and listen to what Saul says. He says, put another way, the love of God, when believed and received, frees us from any need to be noticed, to make a name for ourselves, to find significance through achievement and advancement, or from having access to fame and fortune. Mm. We already have these gifts and these blessings in abundance, in infinite supply from the Father who is not blind to our value, but who sees us and loves us deeply. Uh, dearly, you said, I read that quote yeah. to you before as we were discussing this, and you kind of said, I need that every day. I, I need that. I, Talk to me about I, that. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm going to copy and paste this onto something and then like print it out or tattoo it on myself. You know, I think just the way I'm wired, I tend to want approval from others, and we all do in some ways, right? I tend to want. I tend to think I need to find significance through achievements. Therefore, I tend to run my wheels Mm -hmm. a lot, doing a lot of different things. And so just to be reminded, like, it's almost like just be at rest, oh, my soul, for the Lord has Mm. been good to you. Like, you already have approval. You already have what you need in Christ. You don't have to earn. You don't have to strive. You don't have to hustle. You don't have to make a name for yourself. And I'm not out here trying to make a name for myself, but certainly that temptation is there to like feel like I have to do something significant or else I, I won't matter in this world. And so this is a reminder, I think, that like, the I think later Saul says, "Hey, the real rock star is Jesus." Yes. And so we uh, this is what he says. Let's take comfort in this reality. We are pursued, seen, and infinitely loved by a star who is even bigger, much bigger than rock stars. And that's something even a rock star can be glad about. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's just it's such a good reminder. It really you is. Know? Yeah, I love how he says. 
Because there's a freedom in Peterson here where he says, well, I could meet with Bono or I could still study Isaiah. I could work on Isaiah. And he goes, that's the better thing. And I, I you know, I think the reason we wanted to highlight this is because it's so unbelievable. Yeah. You're just like, man. Uh, but the, in this, I think what Peterson's showing us and Saul's is bringing out is where do we find our identity and our security? Yeah, that's Like, good. is it in making a name for yourself, as you said? Is it in what other people say about me? Is it in just the accolades I can? That's yeah. that's a that's a roller coaster ride that's uh. difficult to live. And Peterson seems to be able to have lived out really well. And Saul's talks about here is you know what I'm loved by God. I'm a child of God in Christ. Uh, yeah, meeting a rock star would be cool, but right. it's, it doesn't change my life. Yes. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't about give me, me significance or value yeah, or and, whatever. And I think all of us need to again look in the mirror and go, do I do I believe that? Do, mm. Is that good enough for me? Do you, Brian, you've talked before about uh, somewhat uh, people pleaser, maybe the word you've used. I've used that many times. Yeah. So uh, in one sense, this is a similar plight, right? Mm -hmm. That you want to please everyone. And so what do you do when you feel that instinct in your own heart when all of a sudden you recognize that you're like, oh, I'm after people's approval again? Like, what do you just kind of how do you handle that? Uh, that's a great question. Not not usually well. Yeah. But but I usually then just need to um, step away from that situation. I need to go, um, you know, get by myself. To be honest with you, kind of what Peterson did here, and just and, and get out of the situation where I feel myself yeah. like oh, I need to please blah blah blah. Uh, my wife is a good um, a mirror in this mm, to me. Like, nice. hey, what's that all about? Yeah. And, and so also to be challenged to have people who will ask me those questions. But I would say that's I don't good. necessarily have it. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It, it certainly is an invitation to go back to God. And I think just so, Lord, here I am again, striving, hustling, wanting someone's approval. I'm going to surrender that to you and ask for you to transform me. And because mm-hmm. God is so good, like Saul says here, he will do that. He is faithful. Well, stick around. We're doing one of our very favorite things to do on Friday afternoon. That is a top five list. Yes. And I don't, should I say what we're talking about sure. or should we surprise? All right, we're going to talk about top five summer olympic sports that brian and i would want to compete in so be sure to stick around for that you're listening to the common good hey everybody welcome back to the common good on this friday afternoon looking towards the weekend towards some fireworks and some really good food i am very excited i'm hungry right now so i have food on the mind i got barbecue on the mind macaroni and cheese (laughs) all those good fourth of july things all right brian in uh, Fourth of July summer spirit, yes, we have one of our favorite things to do here: a top five list. Let's go ahead and hear our top five list intro. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. Fabulous. Fabulous. I I can't get enough of it. I love it. Top five things. We are talking top five summer Olympic sports that we would want to compete in. And the idea here is that if you and I were just incredible Olympic level athletes. So we're close. We were basically there. (laughs) All things being equal, we could jump into whatever sport we wanted to and compete at an Olympic level. What summer Olympic events would we compete in? And one thing we've done here is uh, we've eliminated like the regular major sports. No basketball. No basketball. No baseball. No no baseball. Stuff that, you know, you would normally, otherwise, that's what this is going to be. This is like. Sports that you're only watching once every four years yeah. at the Olympics. Yeah. All right. 
So you have yours, Brian. You I got did. five. This one was a little difficult, but yes, I, I went. You and I both looked up a list of all of the uh, Olympic sports. Yeah, we so. had to look them up because we weren't one hundred percent sure. Like, otherwise, you're doing like three track and field. I might have three track and fields on here, actually, <laughs> but you're doing a bunch of track and fields, a couple swimming, and calling it a day. But yep. no, we got some others. We got some good ones. All right, are you want to start with your number five? I will gladly. Okay. Uh, and I don't have an honorable mention, so we'll need to remember okay. that. All right. My number five, and I got into watching this at the last Olympics. Yeah. And I will have not watched it since, but I guarantee you I will watch it at this coming Olympics. This is a team sport known as Team Handball. Oh, Team Handball! Team Handball. Have That's, you ever watched it? So it's literally like, uh, almost like racquetball, but you have your hand instead of a racket. Is that right? A hundred percent wrong. <laughs> Yes. Clearly, I've never watched it. it. Is, <laughs> what it, is it? A, it's a team. So okay, okay. No longer one. So hence by team handball. Okay. But well, it's on like a basketball court. No. And they dribble and they throw. Stop. And you're, you're Literally had no idea what the sport was. It's kind okay. of a mix between like basketball, soccer. <laughs> but yes, you described okay. you described volleyball. I described volleyball, apparently. This group all made her top <laughs> Five list right well, there. Well, that should be an Olympic sport. Okay, so yours was handball, which clearly I need to learn Team more about. Team handball. Team handball. You need to Google it when we're done here today. Oh, we'll do that. I clearly had that wrong. Okay, my number five is equestrian. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> I want to get on a horse. I'm going to jump over some... If I'm so athletic, I'm like the super athlete, I'm going to... I'm going to jump on a, horse, a horse and I'm going to jump over jumps. Okay. Yep, that's mine. All right, number four. Number four is going to surprise you a little bit. Oh, is it? I think so. It's my, the first of my track and field. You'll see there's nothing in, that involves a pool in any of my five. Really? I'm shocked. Nope. Okay. All right. Number four. I'd like to throw the javelin. <laughs> I can see you dominating that. I would like to throw the javelin. <laughs> yeah. Not the heavy, you know, not the shot put. Yes. Not the hammer throw. I want to go javelin. That thing yeah. goes far. It every now and then gorges, <laughs> gorges somebody, whatever. But, you know. You do. You want to gorge. Do you think you, okay, with the javelin, you take a running start and you fling it. What's your method? Or oh, do you no, just like. I would, I would go I would go standard method. But, okay, man, it's, okay. it's impressive because there's a very specific way to hold that. I'm going. <laughs> I'm on team javelin. Javelin. For the, uh, that's the field portion of the track and field uh, event. I like I, that. You're covering various bases oh, here. I'm going to have good. one more field portion coming okay. up. I'll tell you that. All right. My number four. Is trampolining? Yeah, I saw you. I saw you searching. I, <laughs> you and I looked at the same list, and I went, "She's going to choose trampolining." Yeah. Go ahead and explain trampolining, please. So you get a trampoline, and you jump, and you do flips and things like that. And so that's what I would do. They have turned the sky zone into an Olympic sport. That's that feels. That's exactly right. Yep, trampolining is my number four. Okay, number three for you, Brian. Number three is this is my other team sport that oh, I put in here. I went with and and let me know if I need to explain the sport to you so that you understand it. You I went probably with, uh, will. I went with beach volleyball. Oh, beach volleyball! I've heard of it. <laughs> there's a beach. There's a volleyball. I I always think that I love watching beach volleyball. And yeah, like, you know. Uh, and you're like at the ocean, the exactly. setting's nice. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now, beach volleyball on a trampoline might have been it. We could have oh, played together, but been no. amazing. Yep. yep. Wow, mine are all individual sports. I wonder what that says about me. The next me. two of mine are going to be individual okay. sports. All right, my number three is artistic swimming. <laughs> that is that is an event in the Olympics, and I'm, I'm, and I'm it's, going to regret this question. Yeah, how is that different than synchronized swimming? 
so I actually don't know, and I wonder if it's the same thing. <laughs> I think you, you know, you do things artistically. You dance while you're swimming. I feel like I could compete in this right now. So this is your third biggest <laughs> dream for Olympic sports, but you just acknowledged. I don't really know what it is. It sounds really good, though. Artistic swimming, it sounds amazing. Maybe artistic swimming is individual. Synchronized swimming is team. Because obviously you need someone to synchronize with. Right. So in this one, you just get, you wear a costume, you jump in the water. You, you dance. Do you wear a costume? I will in my event. I will. I'm gonna. Do you? I'm gonna dress like a mermaid. <laughs> Long hair, mermaid tail. Do some artistic moves. All right. Number two, Brian. What's yours? All right. This is uh, my next one out of the field of the track and field. Okay. The pole vault. Oh, that's what you would do. I would love to be able to. I mean, that is why un- the pole vault because it's just unbelievable. You're they're running so fast. And then they can go so high. Yeah. Like it's 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 one of those where you don't really know physically how it even happens. Like right, it takes a little bit of physics point, there. Yeah, well, that's in slow motion. There's a point where you're like, how in the world does it? And then like, they how do aren't it. they falling backwards? That's right. That's right. So I I'm going with the pole vault. All right, that's very impressive. I hope I see you pole vaulting one day. Okay, uh, my number two is actually a new event at this year's Olympics. Not one of the old, not one of the old conventional ones no. like trampolining or artistic <laughs> swimming. Exactly. I'm going. <laughs> I'm breaking the mold here with this one. I think I would be really fantastic at surfing. Everybody's gone surfing, surfing USA. A, I know you would not. Uh, but B, or two, I just said one and B again. I've seen Breakpoint with Keanu Reeves. I would be really good at surfing, Brian. Uh, let's pause again and <laughs> ask you again for the name of that movie. <laughs> Point break. Point Thank break. <laughs> All right, what were you going to say? I'm such a good surfer. I've seen Breakpoint with, uh, with Keanu Reeves, you know? With that Reeves fella. Yeah. I just love that you went, I would go with one of the newer ones. Like there was trampolining right. at the ancient Greek games. You know, they're bouncing around. <laughs> right. It's been around a while. Do you have any honorable mentions before we do our number one? You know, sadly, I really don't. Although I will, maybe I will throw in one. Because there was one I was thinking about for number one and I went a different direction. I was thinking another new event, skateboarding. Ugh. That would be pretty fun. So I thought of the one honorable mention, the only, the first one I would do if I was doing anything in a pool. Okay. Okay. Now it seems terrifying, but you've already said you're good at it. Yes. So you are. Good you're at good at it. I think diving is pretty unbelievable. <gasps> Ooh, like high, those high dive. Sure. Yeah. If that's I knew terrifying. I was good at it, but I find those terrifying yeah. to even watch. So, uh, yeah. All right. All right. Number one. Number one. I'm going old school. It is the, like the most classic of, oh, I just hit my mic. It is the most classic of all Olympic sports in the summer. Okay, hold on. Let me think about what it might be. Okay, let's see if they match with what I have in mind. The 100 meter. It's the oh. dash. It oh, is, it is oh the sure. It, yeah. is, it is genuinely the person who wins the 100 meter for all of history has been called the fastest person in the world. You got to compete at that. Exactly. Like yeah. right now, if I ran the 100 meter, I'd be at 20 meters when they finish <laughs> at best. But you already said I'm Olympic level yes. athlete here. Yes, that's our understanding of so this. So if I were an Olympic level athlete, I would choose the 100 meters. Wow. I feel like you took this a lot more seriously than I did because here's my number one. That's similar to the 100 meter dash. The 200 meters. <laughs> <laughs> it is a BMX freestyle racing. Oh <laughs> I'm going to get on my bike. I'm going to freestyle. I'm going to do some jumps, some so flips. So you've, you've now, you've artistically swam. Yes. You've jumped on a trampoline. Yes. You've skateboarded. Yes. You've possibly surfed. Definitely. And what was the one I'm missing? 
Oh, and equestrian. Yeah. You're like a 12-year-old. <laughs> that's accurate. Yeah. yeah Can we yeah. go to Sky Zone? Can we yes, ride a horse? Can I get true. a skateboard, Can I go mom? on a bike ride yes. and, and like do cool tricks, ride? mom? Yep. I love the, the uh, top fives that the you top, put out. There's our great. top five list. We'll put that on social media for you. Tell us what you would compete in if you could in the Summer Olympics or just something you like watching. Uh, Brian, maybe one day you and I will come up with a synchronized swim routine Put it on TikTok, and that's how our TikTok that celebrity will begin. It's never going to happen. Not going to happen. <laughs> well, stick around. I'll try to convince Brian to do a synchronized swim act with me. We're going to talk about rest for the Christian when we return. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Friday afternoon. We are ending the day for you, getting ready to send you into your weekend. My name is Aubrey Sampson, joined by my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we are talking about rest. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, I think, as Christians, we think rest is sort of a luxury or something that we only get around to if we have earned it. But we were actually Mm -hmm. reading an article on PropelWomen.com by a woman named Rachel Sinclair who says that rest is not greedy, not self-satisfying, not an indulgence, but really rest is something that all Christians should partake in because it comes from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a really difficult, it's a, it's something we know in our minds, but it's so difficult to live out. Yep. So here are some of the things that Rachel talks to us about uh, involving rest. All right. I'm just going to read them. You respond. Okay, okay, Brian. All right. Here's the first one. We love a good list here at the I Common do. Good. So this article has I a lot do. of lists. All right. Restfulness does not equal laziness. That's really good. What do you think about that? That's the culture we live in, right? Like you're supposed to go, 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 go. If you rest, somebody else is working, right? Like you see this in sports. I, they, I've heard this say in sports. Like if you take a day off, the other guy's not, and he's going to be better than you. Yeah. But you can make that business. You can make that writing. You mm-hmm. can make that anything. If I take a day off, somebody else out there isn't taking a day off and they're going to pass to me. And what ends up happening is that then you refuse to take a break. You refuse. I don't take vacation. I don't yeah. rest. I don't do this. That's just laziness. Well, A, if you call that laziness, then you're calling God lazy. Okay. God rested. That's good. Yep. And two, uh, you're either going to learn the rhythm of rest or it's going to force itself upon you later because you're, you're going to have, have a, a breakdown or something, a heart attack. Yeah. You're going to break down a mental breakdown or something. And so, yeah, I think this one's foundational. If you see restfulness as equaling laziness, you might as well not read the rest of this article mm. because then you're never going to embrace it. Mm, that's good. I would like to point out, Brian, that you said one, you said a and two. Did I do that again? again? Oh, it's I usually like it. one and B. I like it. It's becoming your, it's becoming your little thing. Yeah, that sure, you do. I like it. All right. Sure. You, you talked about this one a little bit, Brian, but the second point that she makes here is God himself rested. God rested on the seventh day after the work he had done creating the world. So essentially if God did it and God commands us to do it, then what in the world do we think we're doing if we try to skip rest? And not only did God uh, do it and and that we take that example, but we, the Bible talks about rest and Sabbath as being God's gift to us. Mm. That that it, it's never like, oh good, now in the New Testament we don't have to Sabbath. We don't have to yeah. rest. That's not it at all. And you know, Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest, right? Like there's something that's, 
we talk here a lot about our identity being right in, in how we see ourselves in relation to God and that we're, we're his children in Christ. I think when we get that identity correct and are actually living out of it, we feel the freedom to rest. Yeah, that's exactly right. When our identity is in the money I make, the accolades I can have, whatever else it might be, rest works against yep. that. And so this rest becomes a major indicator uh, just as to how I'm doing. I think it's also just a difference between, I mean, you know, God gave the Israelites after he set them free from slavery. That's when he gave them rest. And I think it's the difference between it's an identity thing, right? Like it's the difference between being an enslaved person and being a child of God. And the fact that we get to rest is a gift, like you said. All right, right. Number three, rest involves retreating to God away from the distractions of the world. Here's what she says. Do you ever sit down to read your Bible only to receive a flood of thoughts about errands to run, texts to send, bills to pay? Yes, all of us do. Everyday life has a way of demanding our attention right here, right now. If we want to be able to rest in Christ, we have to set aside time with him, even when it's not convenient. Yeah, I I think a lot of times... Going back to number one, rest being laziness, it's because we don't think about what is rest actually supposed to accomplish in Mm. our lives, right? Sabbath is unplugging from all the craziness of life to plug into my relationship with God, right? And the things that fill me up. Uh, Rest is not just the removal of the distractions or the busyness, but it's also then uh, putting that energy towards something else. So, So she talks about rest involves retreating to God away from the distractions. We're we're resting for a purpose, That's right? Good. Rejuvenation, uh, but also a deeper understanding of God's love for me, that I'm I'm all I need to be in him, like all of that. And and again, she talks here about Jesus withdrew for a purpose, to pray. Yeah. If anyone should have been busy and hurried in his life, <laughs> it, it was should have Jesus. Been Jesus. But he regularly got away and he retreated and he prayed. I think that becomes the model for us. I think the other thing about this is that rest reminds us that we are not God, no, right? 100%. Like we stop and go, oh, wait, the Lord. Lord can still the world will still run mm-hmm. things will still get done whether or not you and I step back for a little bit so it's a good like heart posture mm-hmm. change as well okay um, she's got a couple more here resting can be fun this is hard for some people I would say for my husband who's like an adventurer and a go-getter he rests differently than that's maybe right. I would rest so talk to me about that Brian. no that's a great point rest does not mean just laying on the couch yeah, or taking it out. Go. It yeah. can, yes. but it doesn't mean that I, you know, in the seasons of life where I've been good at taking a Sabbath, uh, the answer to that is what do you do on your Sabbath? What do you do on that day? And the answer is whatever fills you up. That's good. Uh, and so for your husband, it could be going on a 40 mile bike ride. Right. For me, a 40 mile bike ride might seem like the worst thing I can do, but it might be <laughs> right. hanging out with my kids or going yeah. golfing with a friend or yeah. reading a book or whatever else it might be. Uh, rest again is filling up your tank. And so what are the things uh, that does that? It, it, yeah, you don't need to think about like, I think this is where people get off, like resting equals napping. No, it doesn't. Right. It exactly. means getting off that hamster wheel, right? Getting out of that go. rat race uh, so and, and becoming human again. And so what are the things that fill me up? It could be going out with your spouse, whatever else it might be. Right. It could be watching all the Marvel movies right in a row. That would be very restful whatever for me. Yep. Else it might be uh, resting can. And I would suggest resting needs to be fun. That's good. I don't even think can be fun. I don't think you'll ever fully embrace it unless it actually is fun. Yeah, that's true. Or else you're going to just put it off because it, you, you don't want to just sit there and lay still because you that's feel right. like you have to. That's but right. that's I, I love that. That resting can be fun. All right. The last one. And then I want to talk to you, Brian, about how you Sabbath if you do. Real rest comes from abiding in Christ. Here's what the author says. She lights a candle, puts on a face mask and goes to bed early. 
But if she's not communing with God, abiding in Christ, and her life is not where it should be, in she quotes John fifteen five, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. So what do you think about that? Real rest comes from abiding in Christ. Yeah, I think when it comes to things like Sabbath and rest, as the Christ follower, if there is not an element of that that involves connecting with Jesus, yeah. reading my Bible, yeah. Uh, whatever else, however else it is that I connect uh, those spiritual disciplines, then it's it it's missing the biblical point. Yeah, uh, yeah. like Sabbath had a very specific point, and so with our, you know, you were going to ask, what do I do? I would say I used to be a lot better at this. Yeah, uh, we now both, you and I both have two jobs. Right. And you have multiple. You have, like you're also a writer, and yeah. it's it's become very difficult. And I bring that up to say, hey, we struggle with it as well. But how oh, I just said A, and I almost said two B. <gasps> nice uh, B. Uh, it takes work to rest. And I think that's one of the great paradoxes, right? It's uh, it to get to get to get to the point in your life where there's room to rest and rejuvenate actually takes work. And you need to put in that work so that you can have the space to rest. Yeah, you almost have to plan it. I know that we have friends, probably you have friends, Brian, who will intentionally like, okay, it's Friday night, or maybe they're doing a Saturday night Sabbath, all the phones go in a basket, they've and they've carved out their schedule. That is the commitment that they make every single weekend. And they have worked hard to get there. So I think that's a good call for all of us today on this Friday afternoon. Maybe this weekend you can take some time to rest. Whether that's taking a nap. Whether that's being with your loved ones. Whether that's watching fireworks. Whatever you do. Do it in a way that helps you connect with the Lord and refuels mm-hmm. your soul. This is a good principle for all of us. Well, it is Friday afternoon. We are excited to talk to you again on Monday, but we own oh, maybe not Monday because it's 4th, 4th of, of July. July. That's yes. right. So yes. we'll, we'll have something special for you on Monday. But we're excited to be back on Tuesday. And we are so glad you've been with us this week. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.